Welcome to The Owl Hoot, a podcast for the environmentally curious, with me, Caroline Norbury. On each episode, I chat with a guest who contributes in some way to protecting the planet on matters of climate change, sustainability, biodiversity and pollution. Here is a place where you can gain new knowledge and be inspired. Enjoy listening. Today, I am delighted to be in the company of two guests, Ruth Pilbeam and Holly Davis, who are both from the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust. Ruth is a rewilding project officer for Wild Peak and Peatlands Discovery, and Holly is a Team Wilder community engagement assistant. The Trust's vision is for a wilder Derbyshire, where landscapes are rich in wildlife and valued by everyone. Holly and Ruth are here to tell us what this looks like in practice through their projects within the Trust. So welcome Ruth and Holly to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. You are most welcome. So I'm going to start, I always start to get a bit of a feel for my guests that I have on the podcast. And it would be really lovely if I could get a sense of where your sort of thread of wildlife came in, whether it was through childhood or later on. So if I could start Ruth with you, how did you get into wildlife? Yeah, well, um, I grew up in Ilkeston, South Derbyshire, and I've got just a ton of happy childhood memories out and about in the countryside around there. And then I suppose as I was growing up, I came, became a lot more aware of the damage that's being done to wildlife, the declines, you know, the biodiversity crisis, climate crisis. And, um, you know, that got to me and that eventually led me to pursue a degree in wild animal biology at the Royal Veterinary College and Zoological Society of London. And from there, I, I got a ton more experience with with this sector and what can be done and is being done to to protect wildlife and to sort of reverse these crises for future so um that that was really it for me it just it built and built and became something that really bugged me and I wanted to to try and make a difference that's a, that's a good reason for coming to the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust to make a difference <laughs> excellent uh, and Holly how about you what's your story background like yeah not too dissimilar to Ruth actually I have always just loved being outside. I've always found it really therapeutic. I've always been very fascinated and intrigued by anything to do with nature. And I've always loved getting out for well-being purposes and, you know, taking photos and things. And then just sort of progressed really. And then when I went to when I was in school, I just was fascinated by by the subject really and how broad it was and how much there was to learn. And then, like Ruth said, I, I learned more about the climate crisis and the biodiversity crisis and just thought I have to do something about this. And, yeah, ended up doing a degree in physical geography at Kiel and just felt really passionate and empowered to impart that knowledge onto other people and to get other people to love nature as much as I do to help protect it in the future. Oh, that's excellent. And what I really uh, liked about that answer is that, you also recognise that it was good for your well-being, which is is something that perhaps we don't talk about enough, that we need nature, we're part of nature, but that also that aspect of it actually making us feel good when we're out in nature is, is a really nice highlight that you've got there. So to think about the sorts of projects that you're involved with, I'd like to start with Holly and your involvement in the Team Wilder. Yeah. Perhaps you can tell me what Team Wilder is. Yeah, so... Team Wilder is basically a concept that isn't just specific to Derbyshire Wildlife Trust. It's a movement across all of the trusts across the whole of the UK. 
basically trying to get one in four people to take action for nature by 2030 for it to become the norm so to speak that people will then just do things for nature throughout their life and encourage other people to do the same in their communities um it's really community focused and it's all about giving people access to nature basically where they don't need big pieces of land or big gardens or anything like that or lots of money to be able to do something it's things that people can do on the doorstep and small actions that can make a big difference to nature but with that real community focus and that real people focus to it as well that that's interesting you say one in four that's a very specific target and i wonder how easy it actually is to measure but it's it's great that you've got you've got a focus on where your where your direction is going to so within yeah. that what is your role specifically so my role is i'm not focused in any specific place across Derbyshire I'm based across the whole county so I'm a bit everywhere um, which is great because I get to meet lots of really really awesome people and I basically do two parts of my role I do community fundraising and events in that side of my role and then the other big part of my role is focused on engagement and working with local groups or communities or individuals that either have existing projects to, to do things for nature or people that want to do something and want to get involved but perhaps don't quite know how and then also you know we go out to communities and um, we're definitely trying to do this more now and take a more community organising approach to it and go out to communities that perhaps we haven't had that contact with previously and sort of take the team wilder actions to them and, and see what the community wants to do and what they need and how we can support with that so yeah it's ne- never never-ending supply of really amazing ideas and incredible people that come to us and we learn as we go as well which I think is a really lovely thing to do because no group or person or place is ever the same. Yeah and that, that's a really good point isn't it that no one sort of fix is there there's not right okay we just need to roll out this to everyone and Bob's your uncle job done so that's a yeah, really nice absolutely. point. The, uh, the, the, I just want to come back to that first half of, of what you you talked about your role you talked about the fundraising so what does that entail in practice we have recently launched our new community fundraising pack um so there's lots of information there people can get it on the website um and download it and it's sort of scattered around our social media channels as well Um, and people can get lots of ideas from that on ideas for events to do for fundraising or how to set up a fundraiser where to send the money. So sort of all of the initial gritty bits of information is in there for people to help run your own events. We've had some really lovely examples. We had a couple recently that for their golden wedding anniversary, with the help of their uh, young grandson, got him to stand up and talk about the work that the trust does and ask people to donate for us as a gift rather than buying them a present, which is such a lovely example. And we really try and promote the work that people in the community are doing to fundraise for us. And then we have also recently started putting out some events. So we've got a few people running the Great North Run for us and we will hopefully be doing some abseiling events soon. And we've got some other really exciting projects coming up that people can get involved with and do something really fun and exciting whilst fundraising for us and making people aware, basically just raising awareness of what we do and most importantly, the nature. So, yeah. Sounds great. It sounds quite varied as well. And you've obviously got a lot of a lot of resources there how do people come across you if they don't already know about you is there I, I imagine it's quite varied but is there a typical sort of way yeah. in for most people it varies and I think that's going back to what I 
I said just about the community organising approach that we're trying to take on. I think that that's a big part of that um, to answer the question. It's not not a simple answer, to be honest. We've obviously got our membership base and then people that follow us on social media, which is great. But then it's sort of how how do we get out of, of that and doing community events and taking things to communities and getting in touch with local groups. That's massively important for us to be able to help spread the message, you know, to get people connected with nature. Yeah, and that, that's why the work that I'm doing has become more important recently is helping empower the community to do things for themselves so people can lead on their own actions and feel confident and empowered and comfortable in leading on actions for nature and encouraging other people to do the same. And I wonder then, those people that are thinking, oh, I'd like to be able to do something how sort of varied are those somethings, those actions that they might do in their community? Are they very varied? Yeah, so we have a big page of our website all about Team Wilder and how people can get involved. So for more information, people can visit the website and have a look at that. But we have got an action called Go Potty, which is really great. And it's great, especially for families, but for anybody really to basically get a, a a pot a cup we've had someone literally use an old potty once that was obviously clean um, <laughs> and then wellington boots all sorts really and get people to plant either wildflowers in there or grow their own grub basically so that's a really good example of being able to do things that reduce waste and help recycle things but also bringing that little bit of nature into your home or growing your own food and taking that pressure you know of getting stuff from the supermarket but it that's an, an action that doesn't require you to have any outdoor space you know you can do it outdoors you can do it indoors we've also got grow don't mow which is coming up to that season now where people can get a little a little sign that sort of explains to people what they're doing when they're letting their grass grow it doesn't have to be the whole garden it could be just a small patch a strip half of it whatever works for people to let that grow wild and potentially plant some wildflowers in there and create your own little meadow which is just one of the biggest things that you can do for for pollinators for wildlife we've recently launched kirby carbon which is all about reducing your carbon footprint and um, we've got lots of suggestions on things that you can do and it's not limited by any stretch to what's on the website or on our social media channels we've recently launched in our charity shops as well so encouraging people to to donate to buy secondhand and we I encourage people to take a pledge to curb their carbon. So whether that's to do with reducing water, whether it's to do with changing the way that you use energy, using less, the way that you get to work or you you get around. And there's lots of different ideas that people can do, which is such a pressing thing at the moment. Obviously, with everything that's going on with, with the climate. And it's a really good suggestion of ideas that people can do that make a difference, that can really help people feel empowered to, to make a change. So yeah, that's that's just three examples, but there, there's some more on the website too that we've got. So yeah, there's lots of things that people can get involved with. And we're always open to ideas if people ever want to get in touch yeah. and suggesting. Well, they're an excellent variety that you've put forward there. And and I imagine they appeal right across the board in terms of demographics, particularly with families where you're trying to draw in children into it. Yeah. Well, families, within my experience, parents are always looking for, for ideas about how they can engage their kids and doing it in nature and pots and you know that creative in that way is, is always very appealing. And Absolutely, yeah. 
I like the fact that you you talked about reducing the carbon footprint and climate change because all these things are connected in some way, shape or form. So it's nice that that is also in the mix as well. So lots yeah. lots to go at, lots of lots of things that people can try. So that I will definitely put uh, a link to the website, of course, on the show notes. So coming to you then, Ruth, you're part of the Wild Peak Projects. Perhaps you can tell me a bit about where that sits within within Team Wilder. Yes, yeah, so um, Wild Peak, it's, it bridges the gap between Team Wilder and our landscapes team, really. So Wild Peak's an ambitious rewilding initiative it's based in the Peak District. And essentially, it's working in close partnerships with land managers, local communities, project leaders. And um, the idea is to inspire and implement landscape scale, nature led approach to nature's recovery. Bit of a mouthful, um, but uh, that's it. It's using nature based solutions and rewilding principles wherever possible. So we are currently coordinating a network of 44 land managers who have pledged about 1,000, sorry, 1,150 hectares of land to be managed for nature at this point and uh, we're supporting them with advice on land management public and private funding options and nature-based tourism opportunities um, and then also signposting them to advice and resources available through neighboring organizations so we're trying to make rewilding accessible um, and nature-friendly farming and all the other you know sides of nature recovery breaking down the absolute ton of resources that are out there available and sort of supporting the the individual to make the right choices you know for their land for their wildlife for their finance and so um it comes back to that individual it's just that i'm um, maybe more specifically focused on those individuals that are trying to do something um with their own land you're talking about individual actions but actually that's a huge collaboration of, of landowners you, you mentioned the number 44 there just yeah. just getting 44 landowners to make a pledge uh, is quite impressive what are the pledges that they are making so essentially, they um, pledge to manage their land for nature. And that can mean a variety of things because we have a real range of stakeholders. stakeholders. So it, it might be uh, we've got a golf course in Buxton that are rewilding their roof. So essentially, they're, they're, they're changing their managing mechanisms so that they are promoting wildflowers and some scrub and some um, woodland in that area. But then also you have, say, a farmer that's looking at um, agri-environment schemes and is changing full fields to to let nature and let wildlife back in or it might be you know a community group that has bought a woodland that's you know horrible plantation woodland there's there's no diversity there um and they are regenerating and enhancing that woodland so that it's a better habitat for wildlife to move back into so it's a real spectrum but they um as they join the network they pledge to with the purpose that they're going to manage their land for nature and then we're supporting them to do that and when they when they set this pledge do they have a very specific target for their own pledge and is anyone going back and saying did you meet that pledge because we're you know lots of us are very well meaning and with just within our daily lives we'd like to think we're going to do something and it doesn't always transpire is there some sort of process where you're supporting them and actually you make you ensure that or you you look at whether the actual impact was achieved yeah it's 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 a really difficult thing to say because obviously there is a level of accountability and, and um, we, we're going out and we're making sure people do. But as we're right in our infancy stages and there isn't really an end point with rewilding, there's no, this is what the end's going to look like. So the important thing for us is that we ask people as they join, what are you hoping to achieve from this? And if we are 
going back in a year's time or something like this and we see um, a general improvements, maybe they've bought in a wildflower meadow or they've dug out a pond and that's gone really well for them, then the next year we might say, hey, well, I know you planted those 10 trees on the side. Could we maybe like talk to our woodland experts and think about import, um, improving that? So we're here to, to not be um, sort of officers and be that sort of nagging voice of like, well, you haven't done enough. We're here to be like, hey, how can we help you to push the project forward? But there is no set end gate. It's just trying to connect as much wild space as we have as possible uh, for wildlife and for people. Yeah, and that very last point is is quite key, isn't it? So you said the word connect. Where are all these people um, and landowners and does it matter where they are and who they connect with or or the land they connect with? Yeah, so um, we've, we're quite fortunate in that um, just because of the environmental awareness as it is, we've got a decent spread of people right across. There's some hotspot areas, for example, if you ever drive through Booksworth and Whaley Bridge, there's a real real thriving community of people there that want to do a lot for nature and um and then other other people might find themselves in the middle of nowhere there's a guy in Tideswell and he says I'm an oasis in a in a sea of green desert or something like that so we actually did a lot of work at the beginning of Wild Peak um sort of opportunity mapping so we looked at where should the woodlands wetlands grasslands naturally be in in, in what areas and and we use those opportunity maps to advise landowners on what might be the best habitat for them to encourage on their land and as we have more and more members join us we can see connections so we had uh, three uh, woodland owners up again it was in Whaley Bridge um, that were bordering and they were suffering with a rhododendron um, problem and ash dieback at different ends of the woodlands but suggesting that they work together and share resources whether that's equipment or volunteer work parties or whatever that is is just that first step to try and promote people to connect across the land borders and then obviously in the same way we're um, allowing wildlife movement across the land borders and enhancement of habitats and species in corridors. Um, Again that's a crucial bit of the puzzle isn't it to be able to it's, it's great getting lots of people doing different things mm. but you're you sound like the, you've got this sort of broader view you can see what what's happening where and those on the ground with their with their specific needs and land and what they're doing with it perhaps can't see the the wider picture so the fact that you can go in and say oh well neighboring here is this is happening and that would be great if we could you you know that must be really useful to be bringing all that data together i imagine yeah, I think that's the probably the main pull for people to want to join Wild Peak and be part of the network because they want to know what their neighbours are doing. They want to know what the big picture looks like. I mean, as I said earlier, it's very individual and personal as to what um, funding people can access or what they can realistically do with their land while in, still having it for other land uses, whatever that might be. But we're looking at landscape scale. We're looking at the big picture. We can stop and say, well, hey, here's an opportunity that you won't have seen or here's some funding that you could access through doing something a little bit differently because somebody a couple of fields over has done that that they wouldn't have known about otherwise so we're really trying to be that 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 platform for landowners to to work with each other and share knowledge and and um hopefully that is how we're gonna encourage nature recovery at landscape scale you're the big picture they're all the individuals are they also apart from perhaps collaborating with their neighbouring landowner, are they collaborating or, or chatting amongst them as a group? Yes, I actually have the privilege of um, hosting an online meeting, at least 
once a month and we get the whole network as many that can join and often people will have to like catch a recording later on or whatever it is but the whole point is that we're responding to topics that are relevant to them at the time and in this area so um we had one on monday or tuesday i think it was we had a bunch of landowners come along and um, Holly Fisher, from, who's our Wild Solutions lead, so she leads the ecological consultancy, she gave a presentation on habitat creation. So how you could start woodland, wetland or grassland habitats and what you need to think about as a landowner. Everyone was there taking notes, chatting about their own examples. And there were a couple from opposite sides of the Peak District, I think, um, that were had just recently bought woodland. And um, we're starting to regenerate that. And then there was another lady who was just about to purchase a little piece of woodland and it was spruce or something and it needed lots of work. She was like, where do I start? And they said, well, this worked for us. And so that that really that really helps those, those online meetings. And hopefully at some point we'll start catching up in person too, but it's been winter so far. So <laughs> wait for summer. <laughs> that's, that's great. And what a fantastic knowledge share. And also I wonder whether, I don't know whether you see this from doing the meetings, whether there is a bit of, Oh, they're doing that. We should be doing that. Is that is, is there a ripple effect with as people get more engaged with this sort of thing? Absolutely. I mean, the sort of people we're talking to are always looking at ways that they can push forward. They're always looking for like resources and, and advice that they can uh, make the most of as well. You know, no one wants to miss out. Yeah. So you, you talked about uh, this brilliant way that everybody is coming together. What do you hope in terms of scope? Is, is there are there more people to find to connect within uh, I imagine you're talking about sort of pockets that you'd identified that needed more rewilding, if you like. Are there sort of spaces still to be found that you want to make sure that something happens there or you'd like to encourage it to happen? Massively, yes. I mean, we're still in our infancy, really, and we have um, little pockets right across. And some people, such as um, the lovely Andrew in Tideswell, he really is just a single field, um, two fields, sorry, in a mass and it can be really difficult especially in the white peak because land ownership is so fragmented but a landowner or a land manager who might not just have five fields in a row it'll be one here two over there three around the corner and so it can be so difficult even for one land manager to feel like they're making an impact on their own land and so we've got lots of work to do wild peak as a project is in its development phase. So uh, we're really doing a lot of thinking around essentially creating a logic framework for scaling this up. What is that gonna take? How are we gonna kickstart this nature-based economy, which is really what's needed in order to deliver um, the restoration of natural processes. And we hope at some point to, to get our thinking right and then we'll create a, pro, a full program of projects that are gonna give that individual support to the different stakeholders. You know, we need a strategy for farmers to give them clarity on the changing government schemes and to give them demonstrations and the blueprint examples of, of this is what your land could look like if it was managed better for nature. We need engagement opportunities for whole communities in an area to link up and say, hey, I know you've got one field there and two field over there and three around the corner, but actually um, there's, the verge of this um, this road is running alongside and the um, council are really are really keen to to sort of work with you to see whether they could create some kind of corridor well there's so many connections that that could be made and we're in this development process where we just have to we just have to do a lot of thinking about can we utilize biodiversity net gain carbon credits green finance opportunities that are coming in and um, businesses sustainability goals you know net net zero by um, 2050, half by 2030, 
can we connect businesses to the landscape, scale up nature-based tourism and really use this money directly for nature recovery to support the local people who have who are the ones that are going to have to do the work, but also the ones that will obviously benefit. That sounds great. I just wanted to clarify, you've drawn in there nature-based economy and nature-based solutions. Yes. Uh, perhaps it's needed to be said what these terms, what you're referring to here and how, it, how it's really relevant and important to this project as its success. The nature-based economy is really important if we're going to be able to deliver nature's recovery because we need not just capital investment. So, for example, bringing in, reintroducing a load of sphagnum moss that is going to, over time, create peatland somewhere. We then need funds that's going to sustain the management of that peatland. You know, we can't just plant a load of trees and then just be like, ta-da, a woodland. It's going to need continued management. And so we look at these new schemes, such as biodiversity net gain, that says if someone makes a development, they have to um, ensure that they're still delivering 10% biodiversity net gain, not just offsetting the biodiversity that they are destroying, but also providing that net gain. And so um, they can purchase biodiversity credits, uh, which means um, a chunk of land is going to be managed for at least 30 years. And we're going to see um, an increase in biodiversity on that chunk. A similar thing with carbon credits says that if you're, um, say, a manufacturer and you're emitting a load of carbon into the atmosphere, you need to be offsetting that through locking in carbon, whether that's through, um, we all know the example of tree planting, um, but there are, are many ways that you can you can purchase a carbon credit. Now say, imagine you've got a factory and um, up the road, there is a farmer and he's um, regenerating a woodland. Imagine if you could meet your sustainability targets while funding the restoration of the woodland up the road, which is then going to give you better resilience because he's now um, preventing you know, the risks of flooding in your area. These are the sort of connections that we need to be making. And we're really early in the conversation, but we have started it. We've got an event at the end of March where we're pulling in local industrialists, marketers, manufacturers, retailers, and just saying, how can we connect you to the landscape? Because there's so many new opportunities and we want to do this so it's it's better for you, it's better for local people, and it's better for nature recovery. That was a fantastic answer because, <laughs> because it really makes the point about how it's important for everyone and, he- yeah. and, and, and everyone is connected to this, whether they think they are or they're not. And they can also have a hand in meeting these very ambitious targets and and we must never forget how enjoyable it is back to back to holly saying earlier how lovely it is to be in nature uh, yeah. for for our well-being so i think that's that's an excellent overview of drawing in all those they're, they're complicated <laughs> it's complicated isn't it it's a complicated business so that's it's really nice that you draw all those parts in in terms of you you have said it's really early days but i'm getting a sense that it feels very already that you can see pr- progress being made are there individual stories that you've got that have kind of blown you away so far or is it is it still too early days so it is early days but there are still just such a variety of stories we do have a few older running ones so there's an artist in the north of the peaks that says he's been rewilding a woodland in his late wife's name since the 80s. So he likes to think he's the oldest rewilder in Derbyshire, which is just such a lovely story. 
And then there's the Haddon estate. We all know Haddon Hall. And um, 16 years ago, they started some rewilding uh, river works. And in the last two or three years, uh, particularly, they've they've grown their project massively. So they've got 450 acres of land that they're um, they're rewilding and they're trying all of these new things and they're reducing their um, cattle um, densities right down so that they're essentially ecosystem engineers. And that's an amazing story. And they're sort of the largest and long and running ones. But I'm also really excited about the baby stories. There's a farmer in Edale, George, and he's got this idea that's in the very early planning stages, but essentially he's bought a hillside pasture that's been massively um, overgrazed and abandoned and it's it's um, sort of de depleted of, of what it once had. And he's looking at bringing in his um, eco glamping business um, to put maybe three three pods, I think it is, right at the bottom of the field, and then using the um, the income from that business to fund the rewilding on the rest of the site. So he's the first real example I have of someone really capitalising on nature based tourism to fund their own rewilding, not having to deal with um, all of the other complicated financial streams, but. Um, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on him and, and yeah. we're trying to support him however we can, but it's such an exciting, burgeoning story of, of what we'd like to see everywhere in the peaks. Yeah, and that is that's a that is a really lovely story because he, that person is making it happen on his own land and doing it all in and benefiting lots of different, different types of people, you know, people that want to get away and be in nature. And then, can you imagine I, I, going away being immersed in nature and then knowing that you're actually contributing to further nature. I mean, that's a, that's got to be a good marketing strategy, surely. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> so I love the fact you've talked about all this collaboration and projects that are going on. I'd like to come back to Holly and talk a little bit about what the listener as an individual might be able to do tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So just go back to team wilder actions really i think that's that's a really a great win and it's yeah obviously you know we want to do things to help nature but i always love to think that it's something that can help you as well you know like we said about the creativity that can go along with the go party activities and the fun that you can have and i think especially if you're planting something if you're growing your own food or anything like that really the the well-being benefits to that you know i'm not sure if any of the listeners sort of heard of the five ways to well-being and nature connection but a big part of that is sort of being able to nurture something be able to watch something grow being able to learn from something so I think that's that's a great way to, to do something really positive but I, I just encourage people to get just get outside as well I, I think the more time you spend in nature the more you notice and you, you know it doesn't have to be in a massive nature reserve it, it can be on such a small scale but to really look and to see things that you haven't normally seen and I think that appreciation of it can can go such a long way in encouraging you to do something for nature on our team wilder pages as well we also have our community groups map and our team wilder actions map they're two separate maps but we really encourage people to map their actions and also they can see where people have done stuff around them as well which i think is a great way to encourage people to do it and you can see people nearby and be like oh well they've done this and you know maybe we can as well that goes back to sort of us seeing how many people are actually taking actions and the community groups map is where our local groups or any groups across Derbyshire can can map themselves on that so they can connect with each other and groups can help each other out which is a big part of Team Wilder and also for individuals to get in touch with their local groups to do because the groups do some amazing projects and 
yeah, they're, they're, they're such a great way of getting people involved. So we'd really encourage people to both map your actions, but also look on those maps and see if you can find groups or have a look around your local area and see what groups are there and what they're doing and, and get involved, really, if there's something that you'd like to do. So, yeah. That's great. And I think that I mean, there is something there for everyone. And it's about, I love the fact that you made the point of just opening your eyes to what's out there because most people can walk down a street at some point they will see a garden a tree it may not be a huge great big wild landscape but the minute you start tuning into green stuff it's surprising how quickly you start spotting it everywhere which absolutely we want more of that don't we so that, yeah. that's that's a, that's really excellent that you've tuned into that and the fact that you've said People can join groups and make more impact once they're part of a group. So that's a really good, long lasting message. I'd like to finish up, ladies, then with asking you both about how you feel and think about the future, because we are in difficult times. I wonder how you see things, say, in 2050. What will it look like? What are your thoughts and feelings on that? If I can start with Ruth. Well, I know we're in a really difficult time and we hear about COP and all of these uh, promises that the governments are making. But I think that that people are doing a really stellar job of holding them to account. And whether that's farmers or demanding clarity on the environmental land management schemes or if it's a community um, group that's working with councillors, change manager at The Verge, you know, the momentum is there. I've just told you a few of the many, many stories that I work with every day. So maybe that's my privilege. But um, I know that while people do everything sort of in our power to support these actions and press forward this agenda for the protection of wildlife. But I really feel that there's there's hope and there's action. And um, I would encourage all listeners to get involved in whatever way you can. Lovely. That, that's a that's, that's a great way to finish, but I just wanted to have the last word because I didn't want to feel <laughs> do you to be left out, whether your vision or your feelings and thoughts are the same as Ruth. Holly, the floor is yours. Yeah, it, it's a big question, isn't it? That I think yeah. we, all, we all ask and we all, we all think about asking each other as well. Um, yeah, I think following on from what Ruth said, I think it can so easily, you can get swept up in this, you know, really in a way truthful and factful but negative picture that gets painted with everything that's going on you know the word crisis and you know we, we see all these really awful things on the news happening and you know as Ruth said things that the government say they're going to do and perhaps they don't do and it, it, it's confusing but I think what is so wonderful about you know being involved with conservation charities whether that's as a volunteer whether it's a member whether it's a member of staff or your local groups or anything is the fact that you're around people that care so much and it restores that hope and that faith that actually there are so many of us that want to make a difference. There are so many of us that want to make a change and have a really long lasting positive impact. And I think for me, that's such a positive thing and I can't help but feel hopeful and positive and excited for the future and the possibilities because like Ruth said, you know, we have the absolute privilege of working with so many amazing people with so many fantastic ideas that are in the community that are Going back to that community focus, that's what ultimately it's all about. That's what Team Wilder is. It's not about us. It's about, you know, your listeners, it, you know, everybody getting involved. And that's why, again, I'd just encourage people to just get out and see things, you know, look at that tree that you walk past every day that you don't normally notice, you know, look at that plant or figure out what that bird is that's singing in the tree. And, you know, all of a sudden it, it can just light up a fire in people to want to try and protect it. And I think more and more and more people especially since covid as well and lockdown have have just become so much more 
tuned into nature and I always like to say to people we are part of nature and nature's a part of us we're not two separate entities so you know it benefits us to protect nature and it benefits you know nature when we protect it obviously as well so yeah I'd like to think hope is the the main message well I've certainly listening to both of you I've found it very hopeful and I think as a movement it's 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 there are the stories that you can share and the things that are going on are really really positive so keep that up ladies <laughs> and the team <laughs> no, it's, it's been thoroughly enjoyable listening to you thank you so much for your time thank you so much it's, it's been brilliant to have a chance to talk about it and great to meet you yeah thank you so much it's been a real privilege being able to come on and share what we're doing and hopefully get other people inspired and excited about nature too It was fascinating to hear from Holly and Ruth about the varied activities of the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust to make the county wilder. Collaboration seems to be at the heart of everything they do, as evidenced through their ambitious project to fill in the gaps of nature across the Wild Peak. I particularly enjoyed hearing about the stories of people contributing to optimising green spaces for wildlife. Yet again, I am reminded of how important it is to engage everyone in helping nature to flourish. For more information on the Wildlife Trust, do see the show notes. I'd like to thank Andy Shaw for audio editing, Jeremy Jones for providing the music, and to you for listening. Don't forget you can follow the podcast to get automatic access to each new episode. And it would be lovely if you could rate, review and share it too. It really helps. Until next time, bye for now. <laughs>